powered up. We have had to conform to a certain social game. And so we are in a constant state of competition. In terms of that competition, we can, of course, lose place. And in that sense, make mistakes. This is the secret. You can't make a mistake. Welcome, everybody, to Friends of Failure. I'm your host, Sam, and this is my co-host, Megan. Heyo. Super excited to introduce you to our guest today, uh, Ben Walker Story. How you doing, man? What's going on, Sam and Megan? What's going on? Uh, you know, just another uh, beautiful Sunday, hanging out, recording a podcast. <laughs> the huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, really excited to talk about some of the things that uh, we discussed beforehand. But, you know, uh, I always like uh, for our guests to be able to kind of tell a little bit about themselves uh, for anybody that might not uh, know you yet. Yeah, that's my cue. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Ben Walker Story. I'm, I guess I still say illustrator, but more of like a creator at this point, which sounds super pretentious. But the the time that I'm spending drawing and, and painting is is uh, not as much as as just like making all kinds of stuff from animations to, you know, beer label illustrations to uh, T-shirts designs and and uh, trying to make weird stuff on Instagram to playing with techno music or whatever. So just general creator type. And I was part of the whole dot-com boom that were in the late, late 90s and, and came up from there and at art school and all of it and there's just been a lot of failures along the lines if you've ever bought a t-shirt with a bear with a gun on it in like the aughts that was me and uh, now i do like more spooky kind of almost like kids halloween themed stuff that's my genre that's a lot yeah which by (laughs) by the way you uh you have several coloring books that are available right on Mm -hmm. uh, on amazon yeah uh uh, and I am curious to hear how you got to that, right? Like where, what provoked you to go, hey, you know what? I'm going to start illustrating like coloring books and, and put them out there for people to to utilize. And, you know, uh, that that was one thing that I was excited about too, is when we were talking beforehand, you know, you you have a, a similar kind of viewpoint on on failure, right? Of, you know, without our failures, we couldn't learn what we needed to learn to get to where we are to call it success. And another thing I, I just wanted to say is, you know, I, I think it's important that you identify as a creator because when I was really starting to develop a better self-awareness in the last few years of myself, uh, one of the things that I had to understand is that I was just a consumer. I wasn't creating anything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't putting anything out there. I was just consuming mass quantities. And so it sounds weird being a creator in a world where we're creating content for our you know, social medias, our podcasts, our websites, and, you know, our advertising. But, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you're not hurting people, I think it's important to have a certain level of yourself be a creator, like mindfully create for the sake of, you know, the ability, you know? Um, So I think it's cool that, uh, I think, I think it's cool that you would consider yourself more of a creator than an illustrator, you know? Well, and you're kind of a Renaissance man. You're doing a little bit of everything. For sure. Yeah. And I can't help that. And that's been like a big breakthrough for me in the last few years, uh, right before the pandemic hit, like the month before I was diagnosed uh, with depression and anxiety, like general anxiety disorder. And I found that out because I was trying to just get a diagnosis and get, you know, start getting whatever medication I need over ADHD because I was convinced that I had ADHD. And I still think that it's kind of a weird thing that there's that psychology is still trying to figure out where one ends and the other begins with this stuff because all the Mm -hmm. symptoms kind of run together but that thing of needing to jump onto the next thing the next thing being whenever i was doing i was like i shouldn't be doing this i should be doing something else and i would just like drop things and i'd walk into another room and be like why did i leave what i was doing and 
why do I feel like I need so understanding that that's just part of me and that I might need to actually just juggle a few things that I enjoy and it might take longer to get any of them done. And that gets frustrating too, but knowing that that's okay to just juggle stuff that is unrelated. It's just, it's just what I have to do. I can't help it. I, yeah, I can relate. People always like threaten the master of none thing that if you're doing too many things, you can't ever master it. But I like to do, do a little bit of everything. And I think you can have fun that way and explore. And maybe you have a main thing, maybe not. For sure. I guess I'll pitch in something there. When I was a kid, like right out the gate, I went into like kindergarten and they were like, uh this kid is unique uh and i don't think they meant it in a good way um mm-hmm. so i was like a hyperactive you know I, I was like the poster child for adhd uh i got put on medication and i took it you know uh for a while and i'll tell you back then uh it was the early 90s and they really didn't know much about it uh and i revisited just kind of what's out there recently like within mm-hmm. the last year and even after 20 years of all this research of people, you know, doing, it's only gotten more and more complicated. And and so just to reiterate what you were saying is I, I do think you're right. It's such a thin line. Um, and it really makes me wonder at what point do we start like scanning people's brains other than just having the, the therapy and the conversation, but like looking at where is your brain reacting and how, like understanding the chemical construction of everything. But that's a whole rabbit hole that I guess we don't have to go down. I just think that it's cool that you have that level of uh, self-awareness, right? That you you have to kind of accept it and then work with it versus like try to, you know, kill that part of you or whatever, right? Yeah, I just wish that, that, you know, especially say with my family or even my wife's family, I think most of them would, you know, try to talk to my mom about that, that, about this kind of stuff. It would be like, they're religious, so it's hard to tell somebody who's like wrapped up in a religious mindset of what your decisions are, what your behavior is, how you're feeling. It all goes through this filter of like, somebody's watching me, listening in on my thoughts. I need to make sure that like, if something's wrong, maybe there's a demon in me or I need to pray it away or whatever, but they can't grasp that all this stuff is for the most part, like juices and electricity yeah. squirting around in your brain. And it's, it's just an organ. It's an organ that might, need, yeah. that might need some help, some medication or, or talk therapy or whatever it is. But you, but you know, it's hard when half of the country wants to like pray it away instead of, uh, instead of admitting that it's an organ, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I see that in my family, like Southern Baptist, and then also even non-religious people just not believing in therapy or psychiatry. They're like, oh, they're just trying to take your money. I've seen that approach too. Mm -hmm. And it does create like a stigma of getting help because you're like, oh, maybe it is bullshit and I don't need that. (laughs) And I hope that that's Uh, not what like kept you from getting to it. But was there a delay kind of because of that? I mean, you know what, you know what I feel like might have delayed me a lot. Sometimes just something random sticks with you and you don't realize that it's getting in the way of getting help. And for me, it might've been this episode of King of the Hill where Bobby was diagnosed with ADHD. Do you you guys see that one? I I haven't, but I'm definitely going to be looking it up. Probably my all-time favorite show. And, you know, Bobby is iconic. And there was an episode where he was diagnosed with ADHD. And it was, there's like a, there's like jokes about conservatism and it's mostly making fun of conservatism, but I feel like there's still a little bit of a seed of actually coming from a conservative mindset with that show too, because it was very like written in a way where ADHD is not the problem and they shouldn't have given this kid drugs he actually was just hopped up on sugar and nobody realized it, but he went in, into like a zombie state and he was like, just spacing out and saying, you know, the, the milk's going to go bad. And there it goes, you know, <laughs> he's just like listening to the milk go bad into the fridge and watching flies rubbing their, you know, legs together. And I was like, I don't want to be like that, you know? So I think that, that, even though I kind of researched like 15 years ago, do I have ADHD? I kind of got scared of like taking it further and finding out. Yeah. Case in point, when I was a kid, someone close 
uh, in the village, I guess is what we'll call it close in the family, uh, had said to me of like, you know, you just need to be disciplined more. Uh, you don't need yeah. medicine, right? Like it, ADD, ADHD is not real. And that stuck with me until I realized that um, sometimes when you're a kid, you don't have the ability to vet the information that's coming in and mm-hmm. it sticks with you. Um, but I will tell you from experience that some of the medications out there, it's I've heard milk expire in real time, man. You just yeah. sit there and you're like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, I, I think that I think uh, I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's um yeah, reasonably scary. Um, yeah. Kind of looking back and being able. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear milk go bad. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's just not on anyone. I feel like that's a shirt. No one wants to hear <laughs> milk go bad. I did want to touch back to what you were talking about, right? Of you got diagnosed with um, it was depression and overall general anxiety, anxiety. Yeah. Gen- general anxiety. This was right before like all the shutdowns and everything. Yeah. So I felt amazing, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh like my finally. God. all the things that trigger my anxiety went away because everybody was inside and I had an excuse to be inside. And I was like, this is fucking great. Um, also, one of the best things that comes from being on Prozac it, for me is I didn't realize that the joy of drawing and creating had gone away like a long time ago. And I was sort of chasing, I think maybe the dragon of enjoying it when I was in junior high or whatever, you know? And I think because of the things that I went through as a young adult, first marriage that was awful and everything, I think I may have like, if I had some kind of anxiety, I'm sure I did as a kid in some ways, but I don't remember feeling that way. Anyway, the joy of drawing and creating everything came back once I got on meds and I was able to just like, you know, the world shut down. There was no way for me to specifically make money on any of the stuff that I had been making money on. So I was like, I'm just going to draw what I enjoy drawing and I I won't care about how it could be monetized at some point. If there is a point to it, I'm just going to draw for fun. And it's it's stuck i've been able to just keep drawing and creating for for fun and not worrying about how it's going to turn out you know it's almost like being agoraphobic where you're worried about having the panic attack when you leave the house so you just don't leave the house i would i would worry about how what happens when i get all angry and flustered when a drawing doesn't turn out the way i wanted it to and i get all mad and stomp on it or whatever like i would want to avoid that so i just wouldn't draw in the first place or i just would feel all stressed and and uh amped up and and just like trying to get through it while i'm creating and that sucks you know so i'm I'm glad that, that that's not happening anymore so it's kind of like yep. writer's block but artist block <laughs> in a way i guess so i guess so. well i'll tell you man you you have like a really great perspective right and it's obvious probably from going through a bunch of different things and figuring things out as you went. But I I had to figure that out recently myself of, wait a second, like, what is something I really enjoyed that I don't enjoy anymore? And why? And anxiety, or just like the pressure of making money, or, you know, you just kind of stop, you start neglecting that, that enjoyment, and then you kind of start mm-hmm. to forget how to use it. It's almost like, like, I used to be able to do you know math and i'm not saying i can't do math now but i probably would need like like? i would need a refresher (laughs) yeah uh well i would need a refresher to be able to do like maybe to the caliber i was doing it before but you know it's the whole thing of if you don't use it you lose it well yeah when you're a kid i mean you had like a little bit of stuff of like man i hope i don't get made fun of or like i hope i don't embarrass myself or like silly little stupid social interaction things right but there wasn't this dread that I started feeling in my like late twenties. And when I really started to address that, I mean, case in point to uh, the drawing is like, there were things that I genuinely enjoyed doing and I like got my own way and made it where it wasn't enjoyable anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so I'm kind of curious as to um, if I understand correctly, you you would say that the Prozac kind of helped you get back to that part of yourself. Right. Yeah. Is it because it just allows you to just take the anxiety aspect out of it, take out so. the the part of you that is like trying to make sure that bad things don't happen to you? You're just kind of like, hey, 
I'm just going to go through it and what comes comes. Yeah, exactly. I just don't have that, that, um, resistance, you know, of, of, it's, it's sort of like fear of failure, I guess, or, or, you know, I, I know that when I was in, especially in my twenties, I would, I knew before going to art school that I had never like tried a hundred percent on any art, you know, drawing, let's just say drawing. And I feel like it was, I didn't want proof. If I put a hundred percent into something and it's still not very good. Now there's proof that I suck and it's, and it's tangible and it's out there. But as long as I am a lot, you know, laissez faire or whatever about it and, and just kind of noodling around, I can be like, look, everybody, isn't this like semi-impressive, you know, imagine if I really put my effort into it, you imagine my potential. I had a lot of faith in, you know, potential. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Was that, was, was that anywhere near your question? No. Yeah. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll put you back on the train of thought. The fear of failing held you back from doing a hundred percent. And you're, dude, you're like, you're like speaking to me right now. And I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, we, we need to go like hang out and like, you know, get an energy drink or, uh, or something. I don't know. <laughs> those those um, give me a lot of anxiety. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> to know. Yeah. yeah caf caffeine is, it, it's pretty, pretty bad for us. I had asked myself that question of what is something I would a hundred percent, I went all out 100%, like no holds bar. I don't care. I want to go until I'm completely existed and I have nothing else to give. And there wasn't a single thing. Mm. And that freaked me out. Uh, I would still say I haven't quite gotten there yet and fully 100% put into anything. The closest thing would be uh, for me would be like going to the gym mm -hmm. and like the understanding and in tuneness with my body. I mean, it's taken well over a decade, but that is a part of my passion is I enjoy using this machine, right? That's kind of how I look at it. Like how you're talking about the brain being an organ. I don't picture myself as this body or even the brain, right? All these thoughts aren't necessarily my thoughts, but I can and have the ability to put thoughts into, you know, the conscious and the subconscious. And so now have, would you say you've gotten to the point where you've put hundred percent towards your illustrations or you're still working towards, you know, revving up to being like all out, all in? I think maybe the thing that I've learned over the last few years and being on, on the Prozac and stuff and taking away that anxiety is putting 100% in for me now just means like making my stuff and not having any worries about how it's going to turn out and just enjoying the process. I mean, I think... um and this is going to, we, we wanted to talk about maybe stand-up comedy later, but I think I learned this with that too, where I'm the kind of person who I want something to be good. I want like my art or whatever to be great. So that means you just have to like punish yourself and work and work and work and think and think and think and rework it and rework it um, and stress out about it being good. And that's going to put this product out this, that people are going to enjoy. Well, the problem is with art and for the most part, at least like cartooning and stuff. I'm not like trying to do New York gallery stuff, but, you know, with my kind of art, um, it's supposed to be fun. You know, people are supposed to like, like it and maybe yeah. smile or whatever. And same with, with comedy. And if you're, if you are reworking it and reworking it and, and noodling it out and stressing over it, it's not going to be, yeah. good art it's not going to be good comedy if you're not having fun no one else is going to have fun yeah. so um, i put in i put in 100 percent by not worrying about any of that stuff and just making stuff and enjoying it so. i definitely don't illustrate but i like to paint and stuff like that and for a while i was just building up projects that i kind of started and then i got frustrated and was moved on to the next thing mm -hmm. and i've told sam that recently it's been more of what i call shitty crafts like, just get it done. Have fun with it. It's not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You'll probably love it at the end. But in the middle, you might think it's shit. <laughs> and that's and okay. it's, also, it's also important to not feel guilty about those things yeah. that you set aside. Because, um, you know, my wife's been coaching me on this, too, where it's it's not 
ready, whatever that idea that you started, you know, if you're always just starting stuff and never finishing and you never have any finished products, that's something to address. But if you have some, there's always going to be 20 back burner things for me that I'm like, want to address at some point. And it's okay that it's still on the back burner. Cause it's not like gestated enough or whatever to, to for you to go in the right direction on it. You know? Exactly. Like sometimes I just needed to get some inspiration somewhere or even just not look at it for a little bit. And then you're like, okay, I have fresh eyes. I can figure something out. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. uh, oh, good. I, I like what you said about resistance before. Yeah. It was like you stopped resisting and you allowed it to kind of be, what, what were you going to say? Oh, <laughs> Oh, the um, projects when they're not done and you drop them. Okay. I have been working on, an idea for an animated show and it's one of those things where it kind of goes to the front burner and then back to the back burner as I, as I try to finish other things and I get, I hit a wall on some idea and I I set it back in the back burner and I'm like, well, I'm more excited about this thing. And then I come back to it and I, I'm just trying to like write down all my ideas now, at least, you know, that helps with the sort of ADHD nature of, of, of jumping around. At least if you can write down your thing that you want to do, at least it's there and you won't forget. I've written down, this is what the show is going to be. This is what it's going to be about. This is where it's going to be set. It's going to have this kind of tone and it's going to be, you know, created this way um, as far as the process and everything of how I would do it. And then I would realize that like, I do a search for that note later. And I realized that I wrote that exact same thing down three years ago all of it and it just the whole, the whole circling it's around a, yeah it's a three-year-old brand new idea so those when those happen you're like well i definitely this is a, something i gotta keep working at yeah you you yeah, literally that, can't forget it yeah. yeah that's your sign right um yeah. hey by the way three years ago you said this it's a yeah. really great idea so i'm gonna tell you it's a new one but it's not please do it um <laughs> yeah. yeah uh megan you know, like she was saying before, like does, uh, she'll call it shitty crafts. And I'm like, I've pictured you before where I'm like, all right, I bought a tub of super glue. I've got some duct tape and I bought these random items at a thrift store. Like here it's we go. Far from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but then, but then it's like, you have, you've had some, some things that you would call success where you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah. And I had, I had a, I bought a medicine cabinet, like a vintage medicine cabinet with a mirror on it. It was in my garage for probably five years, if not longer. Um, Forgot about it. Was going to make a table. Forgot about it. I made that table like two weeks ago and it's a shitty craft because I just took a stool Mm -hmm. that I had, slapped that on top, (laughs) made it all kind of cohesive and I love it. So it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, I. I do think it's interesting because there, there'll be people who they advertise themselves as like, I'm 19 and I'm a multimillionaire and this is how I did it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like overnight with Bitcoin, I became a trinillionaire and you're like, that's not a word. And they're like, shut up peasant. You don't know. <laughs> but then when you really talk, when you, when you really talk to people or listen to people that, you know, they went through the process, which is what we all have to go through in our own unique way. It doesn't happen in a year sometimes three years, five years, they'll be like, uh, one of the people I think about sometimes if I have to give myself a pep talk is actually Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did an interview. I don't even remember when, what movie he was probably promoting at the time, but you know, he was like, yeah, it's kind of weird because like I started this thing when I was in this weird time of my life. And then it just sat in a drawer for, you know, God knows how long. And then it was like, Oh, you know what? Like, I think I'm ready to like tackle that thing started working on it and then it was like but it ended up back in the drawer for another god knows how long and then boom all of a sudden after well over a decade you know uh, this probably isn't accurate but it's like boom kill bill exists and there's kill bill one and two everybody was like this is great where where have you been hiding this and he's like in my drawer mm-hmm. he's just been sitting in there and so i i do think allowing yourself to sometimes it is what it is um and i'm i'm definitely a person that believes and practicing discipline and making that a tool that that you utilize when you need it but um mm-hmm. sometimes you can't force things sometimes i think resistance is futile you know yeah well, the other thing that that i really had to learn the hard way is that every project that you take on 
is going to disappoint you in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. in your head, you've got these da- this daydream of just like how amazing it's going to look and how what like, I don't know if it's going to get some amazing reactions from people. But in your in my head, I'm like planning, oh, it's going to be like this or maybe it could be like that. And it keeps changing because it's just in my head. And then once it's tangible and out of you and you're done, it's just never going to be it's just going to be what it is. Like you said, it is yeah. what it is. And it's not going to be this this epic thing that you had in your head well and expectations especially with art are really hard because you expect like oh it's gonna look exactly like this or i'm gonna combine these two things and it's gonna be perfect but you kind of set yourself up like you said it's never gonna be that same thing it might be really close it might be really good but your brain could even still warp that if it was a one-to-one match and be like, no, it's missing something. It's not mm-hmm. right. It's, it's like the friend. It's the friend that um, even after all these years still asks like, oh man, did you hear they're making a movie based off of this book? Like, I really love the book. And I'm I'm at the point where like used to, I'd be like, I haven't read the book, but I'll go see the movie with you. And every single time is like, ah, oh, it's not as good as the book. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be. I, I think yeah. the only <laughs> book, the only book to movie uh, situation that I ever actually was like, okay, this worked was Fight Club. But I also think that they're two totally different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously the same story and stuff, but the book is a, a very different experience than the movie. Yeah. And the um, book is probably more anyway, the, the I'm picture at the... in your head, right? Like the book is the detailed, crazy, like in-depth mm-hmm. world building kind of thing and then the movie is like this is what's gonna think, sell yeah. this is what we can get out there I, i've yeah. tried i well so definitely that well and that was the thing that was weird about the fight club movies i don't think they were trying to make money off of it they were like we are gonna make a work of art mm-hmm. and it's gonna be violent i guess but like so uh you know my friend every time it was like oh it's it's based off the book i can't wait every single time it was it's not that good like why why do they keep doing they ruined the the story mm-hmm. now i'm at the point they'll be like oh did you hear like this book got turned into a movie and i'm like don't don't see it don't do that to yourself <laughs> like they are going to disappoint you oh i was just gonna say don't you think that the the pace of reading is like more like the pace of your thought and the pace of life like i'm such a slow reader that it does take me like a year to get through a book so it's like you're in time with the characters where in a movie they got to get through the whole story in an an hour and a half so everything is just like go 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 exactly oh yeah and they leave out like the i'm gonna call out like harry potter fans because you know uh we have an expert here uh (laughs) But no, so like there, there are pieces from the book that if you didn't read the book, you just like the, the, the movie, they're like, we can't make the movie any longer. So we're just going to leave this detail out. But then mm-hmm. like people who have read the books and like are, are fans of that series, they'll be like, if you don't know that part, then after all of these books, when you figure out certain things, it doesn't make the same sense it or it doesn't impact context. you the same way. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think you're right. It's like you, you live through it with these characters versus like you get this like vomiting rendition of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to just tell you as much as I can, as fast as I can. And yeah. I, I won't go on a Harry Potter rant, but back to when you kind of had the artist block, <laughs> was it because you were trying to like, create the movie version or the money monetization version of your art and it condensing it all or making it clean so it was you know mm-hmm. more to, to your open audience was that kind of the main part that was holding you back besides the anxiety if we put that to the side um not not specifically with each project i think just in general with my life it was like that oh yeah when we were talking earlier i just started thinking about what got me on that path of, of having so much anxiety associated with my art in general. And it, it was because of, you know, trying to monetize my art abilities just in general, you know what I mean? Not, not yeah. specifically with any one project, but um, where I used to just do underground comics because I wanted my friends to laugh and I liked to draw um, it, it turned into like, I was married to somebody who was very, like kind of a more corporate minded, you know, and very ambitious that way, as far as like wanting to be the a CEO of a company and stuff and very money oriented. 
And so, you know, me going to art school was just like a, an investment. It was seen as like an investment of like, we got to get through this art school as quickly as possible. And you got to get out there and get a job at Pixar as soon as you can. And when, when's the results going to be happening from, you know, this art school stuff, when is your stuff going to improve enough to where you can go work at Pixar or whatever. And, uh, it just became like, I gotta be good enough to go make money with this. This has to be my career. I'm failing at making my career. You know, that's where it all kind of went wrong. I think. It kind of pressurized is what it sounds like because it wasn't yeah. your original i'm sure your original intent was you enjoyed art and that's what you wanted to do right. not just i need to be the biggest baddest art person as quick as possible and there's there's what? uh there's an ego to that i really enjoyed especially younger like oh you know <laughs> i want to be that guy who like has a is a creator of a show on that's on nickelodeon and people know my name because i like you know what I mean? I wanted, or, yeah. or just like having a job, like I work, you know, for uh, South Park. I'm just an animator on South Park. Just having that, that title or whatever is, it sounds cool. And I, and I wanted that. Um, so it's harder on your ego to just be like, I don't, I'm not part of that. I just make my own stuff. <laughs> yeah. How, like how, so you went to art school, you finished that. You had this thing in the back of your head telling you like, you know, you got to go be a bad mother trucker and, and work at Pixar or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any part of you that did want to do that? And how, and if not, you know, totally cool. But so like, at what did you have a moment where you're like, hey, I don't want to do that? Mm-hmm. And how did you get to like coloring books online, okay. uh, like for purchase? For um, what I wanted when I went to art school is yes, I wanted, I had gone to like an animation convention in LA and it was right around the time where everything tanked with the, with the economy in 2001 Mm. and you know, and it was like around September 11th and everything kind of, that kind of really cinched it where everybody stopped working and the the world that i had been part of with this tech stuff just wasn't there and then there weren't companies who just wanted like there used to be companies that would want like an artist around with no specific thing to do which is so crazy but if you're like 26 and like artsy you could have a nice paid job you know um so when that all tanked i, I went to a convention and i was like yeah clearly my portfolio they don't they're not into it at nickelodeon um, it's amateurish basically. I didn't have enough to of a outlook on myself to to recognize that I was fully amateurish with the way I drew. And so I needed a lot of help. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to art school. I'm gonna really see how far I can take this. And I wanted to get out and work at Nickelodeon or Warner Brothers or Pixar or whatever and, and have that job title. I think because like just being able to like contribute to something and then like everybody else makes it happen you know felt it's like the procrastinator in me maybe was like yeah if other people <laughs> pile on with this con- contribution that i've done then it'll definitely get produced but if it's all on me that makes it so much harder so i think that was kind of what mm-hmm. was attractive about going off for some corporate sort of art job. stability too right yeah. like consistency because there's always the whole uh stereotype of the starving artist yeah, and I I've, I've also learned the hard way that it doesn't having a full time job does not make you any less likely to starve. <laughs> you know, I've been laid off, mm-hmm. let go from so many corporate type production company jobs that it you know you start to recognize that that talk that they all bring you in. You don't worry, you know we have some stock <laughs> problems, but you guys are all safe. No one's getting let go. Ben, I'm going to need to see you in the office one on one. So there's not, it it doesn't make me feel any better to have a, an employer anymore. I feel like I, now I feel better having it being in control of my wife and me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you that was a mind shift for me when somebody uh, like in a lecture or something was talking about if yours, uh, like if, if all the security in your life is based upon the income of one job, you're one job away from being homeless or like whatever right and they were just making the point of like you have to have multiple eggs in the basket but it was also trying to provoke the thought of you know what is control like what control do we really have in life especially like in in terms of being 
hired by someone who could fire you, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, Ben, uh, just real quick, can I talk to you in the office? And then, yeah. you know, you're packing your stuff. But but so uh, I am glad to hear that, that that worked out in a way. Like as a person, I used to be a personal trainer. It would have been really cool to be like, oh, I'm Kevin Hart's personal trainer. But I also know that I, I'm probably amateurish, right? Like I, I've accepted that. Like I haven't dedicated all my time and, and ability um, in educating myself to go like above and beyond and, and whatever. But I do get what you're saying, right? Of like, what do you do? Oh, I train the guys that are in the Marvel movies and make them look like they're superheroes. Mm-hmm. And then, wow, you know, can I like, date you? Superheroes. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, so you're putting pieces together and then I am very curious like how it got to coloring books. I okay. Just... So you just had a great segue to that with the eggs in the basket because, you know, when I was living in San Francisco and really kind of starting from, from scratch financially uh, after a divorce and trying to get these, these production company jobs that video, mostly video game companies in San Francisco is where you could get a job as an artist if I wanted to have different eggs in, in baskets, like it was tougher at that point because like for me anyway, because I guess I would, I would do stuff like if, if I was low on money, I would go and try to draw Lombard street. You know, I do these water, watercolors of Lombard street, all cartoony and hope that the tourists like get curious and I could sell them to them for 40 bucks or whatever. Uh, that didn't work. And I would try all kinds of weird little hustles like that. Um, and then I got into doing, comedy gig posters which was a lot of fun and just i really wanted to be around that scene that's kind of what got me into doing my own comedy and stuff but there's no there's no money in that and that stand even stand-up comics who you know their name they, they they don't have the budget to like give you what an illustrator should be paid for a poster or whatever you gotta you gotta work it other ways where you're selling them yourself basically and making your money that way so it was mostly for fun and a little extra cash with that. So when print on demand started getting better and better, you know, I was paying attention to that kind of stuff when it was like the cafe press stuff and you'd have like a t-shirt and it only could be on white and there'd be this weird milky box around the graphic, you know, um, I was paying attention yep. from, from there, but now you can make anything print on demand. They'll make one of it. It looks just as good as a screen printed t-shirt. looks just as good as the books, you know, on, on the shelves in a bookstore. If you want to do a book, uh, anything you can make a one-off. So I think that's where I was able to really start getting different eggs and different baskets like coloring books. So <laughs> with the coloring books, I was doing all these t-shirts for, uh, to, to sell through Amazon. It's called, um, merch by Amazon. And I was super caught up in that. And what would happen is you'd make some that were like a hit and you would do okay. But there was just like dozens and dozens of amazing t-shirt designs that I really mm-hmm. thought would, would kill that nobody ever saw. And I would spend like four days on them, which is too long for a t-shirt in any way. But I'd be like, well, if this looks great, it'll sell great. And but just all these great looking t-shirts, I thought great ideas. They, they just didn't. I'm not great at SEO and everything or whatever. So they didn't get found, they didn't get purchased. So I was like, if I make books, you can put that same effort into a book, and now you've got this collection of art that takes up, you know, 60 pages or whatever. And it's it's more likely to sell because it's a whole um it's a collection of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people make money off of just like making these empty sketchbooks or, or journals through Amazon's print on demand. Um, but since I know how to draw, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to draw some stuff. So I had this weird idea of like, wouldn't it be funny if there was a coloring book that was made like for the scented markers. Remember those from yeah. kindergarten? I, oh, I just no. thought those were so cool. <laughs> And I was like, it'd be great if you could like get scented markers. And it was like, it'd be funny because the the stuff that you're drawing smells. And I was all into monsters at this point. So I was like, what, what did all the monsters from these classic monster movies smell like? You know, they got to smell bad, but nobody ever talks about that in the movies. So I just started doing these illustrations and these little mini stories that would take one page next to it to talk about what 
this creature from the black lagoon smells like and uh that it was just such a stupid <laughs> idea it's fun that, like they're like, this is so, but I would be like laughing. Like, I can't believe I'm working on this. This is so, what a stupid idea of like talking about like Bigfoot's farts and stuff. <laughs> um, so it would just make me laugh that I was drawing it. And I was like, when this thing is complete, I'll be this guy who's, who's spent like four months drawing a bunch of, you know, dingleberries on Bigfoot and whatever. <laughs> and, and it's so stupid that it would make me laugh. And I, and I was able to finish that. And like I said, in those days, but pre-medication, finishing stuff for me was hard. And I really like drawing inline art. I don't ironically enjoy coloring. It's hard for me to figure out color schemes and stuff. I enjoy the line art. So it's kind of a double whammy that way for me. And that's how it. I got into doing coloring books. Well, now you you need to find someone to do like a candle line to go with that coloring book. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what's no, nice is the no. uh, what is it? I think Crayola finally made markers that stink. I was trying to like hit up companies and be like, "You guys got to make markers that stink," because they did the Harry Potter jelly beans. Yeah, I was about to. You know? <laughs> so I was like, "Why guys? Why, why don't you guys have markers that stink?" So now they do. You can get it. it smells like bad teeth and and rotten cheese and stuff. It is pretty comedic to think about that because, you know, that is definitely not on the front, the front of my mind when I'm watching movies like Van Helsing or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like uh, Frankenstein and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, it is. It, it would have to be a. It's a horror movie in two different ways. It's scary because you got Frankenstein's monster. But mm-hmm. holy moly! Yeah, how horrific is that smell? And none of, that of them monster? smell good. <laughs> and now this Halloween, like watching any Halloween stuff, I'm gonna be like, yeah. "What is the smell? What is? Yeah. What would that be?" I mean, I get it; it's not part of the medium, but it would have to be such a huge. I mean, smell is so visceral; it goes straight to your brain and your memories. And I like the fly, you know, Vincent Price, there's that picture of him like wrestling uh, or that scene where he's wrestling the giant fly man. And it, and he's making this face like and turning away. And I just like picture of, yeah, I mean, that thing eats shit. Of course, <laughs> you'd be turning Six. away like that. Uh, I mean, an, another one that I kind of think about is like Hocus Pocus. That's like one that it always resurfaces every year. I've watched it as a kid. And there would be there would be people who'd be like, oh, I want to be like a witch. But I was like, if you think about like Hocus Pocus or even um, actually there's a movie called The Witch mm-hmm. um, that came out in like 2015. Do you know what so I'm talking good. about? Oh, that was so good. Uh, yeah, I loved it. And a lot of people were like, uh, OK, but I was like, you know, it, it was just it was different uh in in the world of horror and and how you know everything gets recycled but even them because they they'd set in like the late 1600s i think mm-hmm. uh they probably were just foul Stanky. like as, yeah. as a human being <laughs> even it, yeah even if i bathe every single day at a certain point in the day i just mm-hmm. stink like uh you know it's hot outside you're interacting with a but uh one thing i wanted to bring up is I do remember like the scented markers and being like, oh, that's cool. But then I, it was like this weird contradiction in my head of like growing up, they were like, don't sniff markers, right. like don't sniff Sharpies and stuff like you. you. And then they're like, but yeah, this <laughs> apple scented red marker, yeah. huff it all day long. Right. I was like, that doesn't yeah, seem I'm right. Constantly, Another my thing. I'm constantly um, smelling all of them. And I'm like, they don't all smell like raspberry. <laughs> don't yeah. smell that Sharpie. Yeah. But, but around the same time that when I was a kid and, you know, my, my mom would go and grab like the um, the 3D glasses. So uh, it used to be called TGIF. Thank, you know, thank goodness it's Friday, but it was like four TV shows. They're like family sitcoms. Uh, Home Improvement was one of them. Family Matters, stuff like that. And, you know, they, it would be real gimmicky, right? So everything would just be like coming towards the camera and you'd have to be like, oh, 3D. <laughs> um, but mm. then they started talking about doing Centovision. And oh. at first it was like a joke. It was a joke. And then they were like, maybe we could make this happen. I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to smell I, what's happening. I actually, <laughs> so Disney World, I don't know when I went. I was probably like 10. So 20 years ago at this point. It They had a Bugs Life 4D showing when I was there. Mm-hmm. And the 4D yeah. oh, oh, was God. smell. And like, mm. 
it wasn't anything disgusting. It was for small children, <laughs> but you could smell like grass or, you know, the flowers or whatever was going on. And they would have, you know, fans and all that Disney level stuff. I don't think we're ever going to have movie theaters where that's like a regular. I'm not, I'm going to take all that back. We might have mm. that. <laughs> it's part of the revamping after all the quarantine stuff. It's still strange to me how uh, going back to normal uh, is not a thing. Like I accepted that pretty early on of like, there is no going back to whatever normal was like things have changed. Um, mm. but recently traffic definitely went back to normal. It is all fucked up, uh, where we live, uh, to put it lightly. Um, but like movie theaters are a really interesting thing because, yeah. um, you know, I, I still like to go to the theater, but you're always gambling on the type of people you're going to have there. There's always that person that like thinks it's okay to just be on their phone the whole movie. It's really weird. Um, but I do think that like they'd be like, we, we got to figure out something. Remember when Disney did that 4D um, Bugs Life ride? We're going to do that, but for like Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick. And I can't even like everything just smells like jet fuel. I don't know. Yeah, how I was about to work, say but, like just gasoline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I feel weird, guys. Like, yeah, that was like Mad great Max movie. wouldn't. Mad Max wouldn't be nearly as appealing. No, uh, not talk yeah, about a, lot of, a lot of things. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited uh, about that uh, side note, right? Um, Mad Max, you know, they did the one. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a redo. It was like a continuation from like the older movie, uh, the original Mad Max. I think um, the Tom Hardy, uh, Charlize Theron. You know, they did mm-hmm. this movie. Well, now they're actually working on like a Furiosa prequel, I guess, and then a continuation from Mad Max Fury fury road and Mm -hmm. uh i really love that that whole uh post-apocalyptic kind of craziness like water world always fascinated me as a kid um Mm -hmm. but i think part of that's because i hope i don't ever have to experience it for real we just watch it as a movie and be like oh that's crazy yeah uh and stinky for sure side note you guys aren't picking up at all that my son's running back and forth past my door are you no no not at all okay, i just hear like dum, 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 pitter patter <laughs> you're watching this later and uh like one of us is talking and you just see yourself being like oh my gosh i was obsessed with the um i was obsessed with all the post-apocalyptic stuff too especially like when i think it's a common fantasy when you're like an 18 you know 17 to 21 year old male because like you got nothing to lose you got no skin in the game like as far as life but you're but you're growing up enough that you, you could probably like kind of survive and fight everybody and you don't have to protect anybody and uh there's also maybe like you know not great with empathy yet so you'd be fine <laughs> with blasting mutants and stuff uh but yeah i was a pretty obsessed and i would rent all the you know, the lower budget, the better, all those Mad Max uh, Italian versions and stuff. Um, and I tried to make my own film in in film class in, in community college. Uh, and it was a real eye-opening experience for me because when I was in like high school, nobody had phones and, and cameras in their pockets and somebody coming to school with a with a video camera was out of the question so i guess i had never really seen myself like i definitely had never seen myself run on camera before and i made this post-apocalyptic b movie it was supposed to be just like a five minute short and we filmed it out in the dried out riverbeds of sacramento because it looked all post-apocalyptic and rocky and everything and we had our mutant outfits on and everything and when I'm editing it and I'm seeing myself run for the first time on camera, this would be like, I'm 18 and just out of school or out of high school. And now I'm in, like I said, in community college. And I had been, how do I tell the story? <laughs> I had been made fun of and throughout high school as, as like people accusing me of being gay. People would drive by and be like, are you a femme? And I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that is. You know, very naive. And I'm editing this post-apocalyptic movie. And I was like, oh, 
I do run like a girl. I I was all I, my arms are all floppy and everything to to stay on, in balance on these rocks and everything. And I just looked. I was like, oh, I get it. I get why people were. I am not an athletic fellow, you know. And my mannerisms, uh, I could see what people were seeing. So it was a great time in my life to be like, you know what? It's okay. Like, I guess that's me. I don't know what to say. It's fine. So I kind of made a joke of it and I ended up calling the movie, the effeminate post-apocalyptic warrior. <laughs> and I ended up making a, 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 underground comic book based on it and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Amazing. That's pretty funny. Uh, I, I will tell you, <laughs> if you want, if you want to experience ego death, um all you got to do is record yourself running and just sit down and honestly watch it Uh, i think that applies to most people too like i think anyone watching themselves run for the first time you're like oh Mm -hmm. god is that it and on river rocks while wearing combat boots yeah it's awesome (laughs) oh yeah the only person that might watch it and be like oh man i run like a like a greek god would be uh, Mm -hmm. usain bolt yeah like he's like nah he's like i know i run good yeah, he's like, yeah. I know I run good because, well, I mean, look at it. I win every time, guys. Like, yeah, I, you're I like am, a professional athlete. I, I <laughs> get paid for running. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I mean, I remember I saw uh, a video. I don't remember why it was being like, for whatever reason. I, so I was in the the Marines, and it was during like like maybe one of our like little tests that we had to do, whatever. Um, and I wouldn't say that I ran great or bad. I, I ran well enough to get by. Um, but when I saw myself running sprints, um, I feel like I just look like I'm not in control of my bowels and I'm in a lot of pain. Like that's the <laughs> face that I feel like I make. And I'll never yeah. forget, you know, I was like a, I was a, a young guy, um, feeling pretty badass about like a title that I had earned and, you know, being in that, that world. And then you see yourself sprinting and you're like, man, that's sad. Like, I just felt sad for me, you know, like, Oh, that poor guy. Like, why, what is he doing to himself? You know, he's just trying to run fast and he's not doing a very good job. I think I've made it this far in my life with never seeing a video of myself run. So I'm going to add that to the list of don't. (laughs) Well, you guys have a, a podcast. What about when you hear your own voice? You know, it's, it, it's uh, not good for me. I yeah. actually, I've done impressions of I, I've done impressions of what I think I sound like. And Megan's like, what? Like, you, there's no view. way you think you sound like that. Yeah. I, uh, I hear there have myself, been times where I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> Go ahead. I hear myself talk and <laughs> recordings and stuff on podcasts or whatever. And I'm like, ah, my brother is so boring. <laughs> It sounds like my brother from the outside. In my head, it sounds like me. But once I hear it recorded, I just think my brother's talking. And I'm like, why is he so boring? <laughs> just blame it on him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an unusual experience, right? Of um, So I, I've seen a thing online a couple of times called, uh, the, the guy calls it true mirror, where when you're looking at it, it's the reflection, the way that you really look. Mm. Right. So the way that people see you in real life versus, you know, like even on camera right now, I think I think the way it records is it's a reverse image Mm. or something like it's so weird. Um, Well, it's the same thing with sound. Like, I don't think we're able to hear ourselves the way we sound to other people because there's so much that gets connected to that that we don't have. Right. So, you know, like if you're talking to your kid the loving father who's like, you know, Hey, did you enjoy your cereal versus like, you know, your voice drops an octave and it's like, I said, stop doing that. Right. And the kid responds to just, you know, the body language, the tone and all those other things. Mm -hmm. When we hear ourselves talk, none of that really factors in. All you're hearing is like the weird projections that you put onto your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And where I've had maybe insecurities or criticisms towards my voice there are a lot of people that think me and my brother sound a lot alike. And I'm like, well, I don't have any issues with my brother's voice. And it's because like, I'm really close to him. You know, there's all these things that are connected to that. I was like, his voice is a part of him and I love him. But then I had to realize, I was like, well, if I do sound similar to him, then, you know, maybe it's not that bad. 
Um, but I'm still going to make fun of it. Hey, like, if people you know, tell me I sound on that I sound like my brother, I might have a little more of an issue. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe or your brother would be like, wait a minute. Or right? he has the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. He'd be like, I sound like making, oh no. <laughs> um, so, so I know we, we kind of maybe stepped away from, you know, uh, the trial and error of failure and, and whatnot. Uh, but I really enjoyed that last part there of like post-apocalyptic. Um, <laughs> I, I will say if there's any way for me to be able to see that movie, I'd watch it. But uh, you know, maybe at this point you buried it. Uh, no. <laughs> so you will never see that. <laughs> it's on my phone, right? Uh, buried that video. And then you just like pull it up on your phone and you like show it. To no, uh, I don't think it's been digitized. It's still on VHS analog yeah mm-hmm. that's and why it's where safe. it will stay yeah, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. comic was fun, I, I wish I, I enjoyed w- doing the comic oh for sure and you know it's got to be like a fun little thing to look back at because i did like a little i guess it was like a media crash course thing in high school so that if if it sparked your interest you could do uh, more uh, niche type media involvement whether it was like you know illustrating video editing you know whatever sound quality stuff like that and I do remember seeing myself on camera during that, doing some goofy stuff, and yeah, that was digital. So I, well, I, have, I can't even like, yeah. Here you are it, now. It's out there. A, a YouTube channel and a mm. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I've let everyone know that there's a, a treasure out there that if they find it, uh, it's somewhere. I, I just don't know where. But I really did enjoy talking with you guys today. Uh, that was really fun. And I look forward to uh, checking out some of your coloring books. Yeah, uh, I might. They might end up just being gift ideas. Mm-hmm. But well, let me. Can I go? Over uh, I'm not good at coloring. Yeah, I was about to ask. The, the yeah. one that was I was talking about was the first one about smelling monsters. That was called Monster Funk. And then I have Let's Draw Goths, uh, which we hadn't we didn't get a chance to get into. But I spent the the first part of the whole lockdown period of 2020. I just drew goths and uh, that turned into a coloring book and a video YouTube series and stuff. And uh, so this, then this last one that just came out is called uh, costume and mask, a Halloween memories coloring book, because I'm trying to get better at SEO. See, mm. <laughs> that's why that one's all it's important. evolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's important. Um, and, and so that's out now. So perfect for mm-hmm. Halloween time, right? Yeah. And go. that one is just uh, based on found snapshots of kids on Halloween, like in the seventies and eighties uh, in my period of growing up. And a lot of them are all kind of uh, surreally amped up, you know, to kind of be in the kid's fantasy. Like they're actually out in uh, Frankenstein's castle, but it's just a kid in a Ben Cooper costume. Oh. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> And those are like all uh, on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. People are probably definitely going to check that out, especially. I know a lot of adults that they'll use that as something like coloring, whether it's you know markers, uh, map pencils, crayons, whatever, um, because it's soothing. Like there's just something soothing mm-hmm. about having an activity and like losing yourself in a. I don't want to call it mindless, but a very like it's. Just, Coloring in a book should not be stressful. If you're stressing out yeah. while you're coloring a picture, like bigger problems, pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pump pump the brakes for a second, deep breaths. Take a look, take a look on the inside, right? Um, yeah. Well, uh, you, you know what time it is, Megan. Um, I, I need do. to come up with like a I need to come up with like an intro that's like, you know, but Megan's corner, right? You're gonna have to sing it every time. I'll figure it though. out. Okay, uh, we're gonna man. workshop that uh, one again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do like the radio shows where boing or like you know <laughs> plays the intro music. Or the, I, th- I mean, a fart noise um, would be it would suffice. Oh uh, yeah, that that's how you know that it's Megan's corner. It's just a, There's a little very like, green, offensive. Like, yeah. Uh, but oh, I mean, wow. all this to say, big things coming. Big things coming. <laughs> yeah, that you can email us at friends of failure podcast at gmail.com Send in your failure stories, uh, and then we're on social media. And we're going to link that in the bio of this. And we're also going to link Ben's as well. Yeah, and now, yeah, now the exit fart noises. <laughs> now, if you oh, heard any man. from my mic, my it's my chair. 
for sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and then just right on cue, just like a real offensive <laughs> long linger. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's uh and, and you know what better way to to leave uh people listening to the show. Um, but on TikTok, there is a guy that he just he'll be walking in a crowd and it's it, it sounds very realistic, uh, but it's also I think offensive is the right word. Like it's just like a, a disgusting sound of 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 farting. Uh, but he'll do it and then he'll say something kind of goofy of like, you know, basically like, oops, you know, I have to turn around and go back home because I've made a mistake. <laughs> and it gets up tons of views. So like there'll be people who are like, why do you always fart jokes? And I'm like, because it never fart will die. Are, yeah. Fart jokes are <laughs> they're forever. As old as time. As old Any as time. age too. Like um, it applies to everyone. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, you, you'll get like that 90-year-old man who's sitting there and you'll do a fart joke and they'll just slap their knee and be like, ah, they still got it. <laughs> to everybody listening, I, I do want to, you know, thank you for coming out uh, and, and listening to us talk about life and, and experience. And of course, how we like to end it every single time, because I think it's a very important thought to to remind yourself of, but life is not happening to you. Life is happening for you. So go out there and draw something. Or fart. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why yeah, choose? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could do both. Um, you can fart and art. <laughs> it's a it's a world record thing of like how many times fart while drawing a. It's a very Eiffel specific. <laughs> If it's not I'm stronger than you, it's I'm wiser than you, I'm more loving than you, I'm more tolerant than you, I'm more sophisticated than you. It doesn't matter what it is, but this constant competition is going on. This is the secret. This is the secret. Can't make a mistake.